Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins fans, and welcome into the bonus edition, the Saturday, July the 27th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we roll into day three of training camp as the pads come on for the first time. We've got a message from Coach Flores and a practice that follows suit In direct order, we'll talk about winners and losers, a star emerging from nowhere at linebacker, an interview with Michael Dieter, a deep wide receiver group, the different concepts and looks on defense, and get you caught up on all things 2019 Miami Dolphins camp. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Wingfield NFL. The show is at Locked On Fins. You can check out lockedondolphins.com for our daily training camp journals up on the site right now and last but not least the other locked on sports family of podcasts like the locked on heat podcast and locked on nfl podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams let's just get right to it that's another miami dolphins And first down on today's Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your French trip. Book your own trip, maybe for training camp to Miami, with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. That's Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. And we start this podcast. I was at Brian Flores' morning PC for the first time this training camp, and there was a very clear and detailed message, and the beat writers were asking questions about that message and about the nature of of the first padded practice of the training camp session this year in 2019. And Brian Flores harped on the same principles, the same fundamentals, the same teaching techniques they're going to employ with him and his staff here in Miami. He talked about tough, smart, and disciplined football, how it's been beat into his head ever since he was a child with his parents all the way through his high school days, his position coach at college and Boston College, and of course, the last 15 years. And he said that last part with a little smirk as if to say, you guys know what Belichick and the Patriots are all about. Omar Kelly of the Sun Sentinel asked him what it means to be a disciplined football team, and he responded in a cliche, though I thought very meaningful and productive response. He said a team that doesn't beat itself, a team that stays poised when it's chippy and when they're tired. He went on to talk about how players to maximize their potential They're going to have to show a certain level of determination and grit and discipline to work harder, especially when they're tired and especially when it's hot and you've got to fight through it because today at practice, it was miserable like playing in an oven down there. And three days into practice, I think it's abundantly clear that this team has taken on the personality of the head coach. These practices are efficient. He talked in the presser about how they want to get the most out of every minute because each of those minutes is an opportunity to get yourself better and getting better could be the difference between converting that fourth and one and not converting that fourth and one. And it shows in the way they structure their practice. The structure and the script is finely orchestrated and finely tuned to achieve maximum efficiency and keep the players engaged. The drills are brief. They go around from drill to drill to keep guys on their toes and prevent 
downtime from occurring too often, and he talked about the fundamentals and basics of blocking, beating blocks, and tackling, and that was the focus of the day. They kept going back to these drills that were essentially almost like an Oklahoma, but not really an Oklahoma drill, just kind of mirroring a running back and a linebacker against each other and trying to get them to show proper form in their tackling techniques, and that was the story of the day as they begin the individual periods with every single unit that will be involved in some form of blocking or trying to beat a block, starting off their day with drills to do just that. So we saw it from the receivers, we saw it from the running backs, the offensive line and defensive line, obviously, as well as in the defensive secondary as well. And Flores talked a little bit about how you can't make a tackle unless you can beat a block. He talked about the team aspect of playing defense and knowing where your help is and knowing where you are in the progression in terms of getting your run fits and your run keys. Just spoke very intelligently about football, teamwork, dedication, all that good stuff. And it's just a... a vast 180 degree turn from what Adam Gaze was down here in Miami. Love it or like it, it's very different than what it was previously under Adam Gaze. And with that, let's go ahead and jump into the details of practice and start at the spot we probably should start every show with at the quarterback position. And it's game on time. We've got a competition at quarterback. At least that's what you would think from watching today's practice as Josh Rosen was the best quarterback on the field. And he did struggle very early on. He did the exact same thing he did yesterday where he threw an off-target ball to those stationary coaches in those drills. I just thought, oh my God, here we go again. And then he picked that up again in the one-on-one portion, in the red zone portion, throwing inaccurate passes. His mechanics go back to what I saw last year on the Cardinals tape, where he's not necessarily driving through the football. He's not getting that hip torque and that hip rotation. He's not driving off of that back plant leg, and it's causing his front shoulder to open up a little bit, and the ball kind of sails on him. But when he gets it right, my goodness, he throws a pretty ball with tight spin, good velocity, and looks like by far the best passer on the team. And he also put a bit of a clinic on when it came to touch passing. And that's where he really heated up in the team portion of practice, throwing a couple of very nice touchdowns, one to Nick O'Leary on a wheel route between two defenders and one on an over route to Trenton Irwin, both to the near side pylon at the front of the end zone. Now his counterpart, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he struggled in day number three, the first day of pads. The biggest mistake came on a fumble exchange between he and Chris Reed who got some reps at center they both got sent to the TNT wall and after that ball hit the ground Brian Flores laid into Ryan Fitzpatrick who basically put his tail between his legs and went to the wall the way a veteran would but I think the best way you can describe the differences in these two quarterbacks is this Rosen has the more talented and live arm and can make probably more big time throws than Ryan Fitzpatrick can, but Fitzpatrick trusts his eyes and his reads on a whole nother level than what Josh Rosen is currently capable of doing. And the gap between the two on those two categories with the trust level, Fitzpatrick's gap is so significant over Rosen and where the arm talent level is not as significant. And that's why Fitzpatrick's in the position that he's in right now. And that is tenfold, especially when you consider some of the inaccurate or the inconsistencies rather in Josh Rosen's accuracy. So right now, Ryan Fitzpatrick, the clear leader, but it was very nice to see Josh Rosen kind of close that gap because of good performance, but also not as good because Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of walked himself into that situation as well. Okay, we'll come back for a beefy segment two here talking about the offensive line and get you some great quotes I got today from Michael Dieter on the offensive line, the Dolphins rookie from Wisconsin. But real quick, before we take our first break, I want to tell you guys about the service that's keeping me alive down here in Miami, in South Florida. I should say Hollywood. Postmates. 
Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service you need, Postmates is there all year round. And for a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days. Download the Postmates app and use the code Locked On. That's Postmates, code Locked On. I thought this was an entirely appropriate song for this podcast because one, the thunder, as it has done every single day, has rolled into South Florida right around 5 p.m. out here on the East Coast, but also the nature of today's Dolphins practice where they were knocking heads and getting people thrown around because of the physical contact they played in today's practice. Brian Flores says, we have to remember, this is a physical game for tough people, and that's what he wants this team to be. And I keep harping on this, but that seems like the ideal team to build down here, especially in this South Florida heat. I didn't know about it before. I knew about the December heat because I've been here in December, but my goodness, this summer heat is something else. It's entirely on a whole nother level from any other climate that I've been on in the entire United States. And with that, we jump to the offensive line and the practice report because these guys are really getting after it. And those are the guys that really probably suffer the most because they're forced to carry so much weight because of the demands of their position. And I want to start with the one guy that I think answers the question to who else besides Laramie Tunzel on this offensive line is going to be one of the starters long-term when this team might be ready to compete for division titles and hopefully championships down the line here in two or three years. And I think that guy is Chris Reed because he is playing really good football right now in a variety of different looks and packages on that running game, on that offensive line. He is doing some work at center even. He looks the part not just of a starting NFL guard, but an above average one. And he and Jesse Davis, who's playing very well in his own right and operates well in space and gives them versatility on those pulling packages, I think this has the makings of one of the best guard packages or guard duos, I should say, the Dolphins have had in some time when you consider last year they lost a guy like Josh Sitton in the first game of the season. And speaking of Josh Sitton, I asked Michael Dieter, the rookie third-round draft pick, a bunch of questions today, and what a delightful young man Michael Dieter is in the way he handled himself during that interview and also just the humble nature of his his character in total. I want to play some clips for you guys here because I asked him about a famous quote that Josh Sitton said last year when he got to Miami. We had a great quote last year from Josh Sitton who said that changing sides on the offensive line is like trying to learn how to wipe your butt with the other hand. Is that uh, is that accurate to say? That's that's a good quote, but I think it's probably not as hard because it's still like offensive line. I mean, there's a little different and then the stance a little different, but I think switching to wipe your butt would be way harder. <laughs> way harder. What's been the percentage? So there he goes talking about wiping his ass. And I just thought he handled that question so well. And he answered so many other questions about buying sunflower seeds and different candies for the offensive lineman. But he also talked about playing different positions along the offensive line, how he's been cross training. But the most important quote that I thought he said was discussing that he basically has only played center when Dan Kilgore needed a break or needed a breather and that he didn't play much center in college. He talked about that he preferred playing on the interior compared to the outside, but he is definitely adept at all positions along the offensive line. I am really rooting for that guy because he just seems to really get it and be the nice, humble type of kid you can really pull for. Other guys on the offensive line... I thought that Jordan Mills had a really good day and maybe even a day that might give us an answer as far as who the starting offensive line is going to be. As Dieter talked about 
being more focused on getting his technique and getting his game to a level where he can contribute down the line and that he's not necessarily concerned about starting right off the jump. And that to me makes me think that they might just go into the season with the same five guys they have right now and try to develop that continuity and get the offensive line playing at a level that this team has not had in a long time. Even though the parts might not make up a great group, cohesiveness, which we saw throughout practice throughout the entire day, picking up blitzes, passing off guys, sliding protection. They looked they looked very good in practice, I thought, and it was led by guys like Jordan Mills, by those two guards, and Dan Kilgore, who had the best day of his camp today as well, and I think it's encouraging that all of these guys played their best ball. When the pads came on, the second team was pretty much the same. I didn't get a great look at the second team, but I did see that Will Holden came in, the newcomer from the Arizona Cardinals, came in and had a nice block on a pull, and Shaq Calhoun, everybody's seemingly favorite undrafted free agent from Mississippi State, he got beaten badly by Akeem Spence for a sack. And speaking of Akeem Spence, we spin it over to the defensive line, and this is where things got really, really interesting. There was so many packages and so many different groupings on this front. There was a prevalent use of what looks like a 6-1 package, and that's basically a Patriots package coming over with Brian Flores. And on that group, you had Akeem Spence, and Devon Godshaw on the inside with Christian Wilkins as an end outside and Tank Carradine, one of the base five techniques we keep discussing, a guy that can also play seven tech. He was out there as well. And then your two outside linebackers come down and basically play on the ball. That was some Jerome Baker and Nate Orchard at times. Sometimes it's Charles Harris, but the Mike backer in those packages is Raekwon McMillan, exactly as we've talked about all offseason long. The one off-ball linebacker, the guy that can smash between the B-gaps is Raekwon McMillan in that group. So I really thought that Tank Carradine continued to have a nice camp. I think Charles Harris had some very nice plays, including the play of the day where he basically sniffed out a outside stretch run play down in the goal line package and knocked the ball carrier backwards after Devon Godshaw helped him by spilling out his man by getting in that low stance that he always does as the low man wins. He plays with such an exceptional pad level. He, Devon Godshaw that is, and Vincent Taylor, Akeem Spence, and Adolphus Washington, all four of those guys had disruptive days throughout along that defensive line, and I go back to that goal line package to end the day, the goal line work. The defensive line whooped Miami's offensive line in that group and shut down that running game multiple times, and the defense was getting jazzed up. They had brought the, the defensive players that weren't on the field from the sideline. They put them back on the end line in the, goal, in the end zone and got guys fired up and got guys chirping, and Minka Fitzpatrick was a big part of that package, and we'll talk about him later, but Minka was really fired up to get stuff going kind of pumping his fists and throwing towels and doing all that fun stuff after they made those multiple stops back to back to back. Other guys on the defensive line that I thought contributed in a good way, Dwayne Hendricks and Jonathan Ledbetter is quickly emerging as one of my favorite camp battles. And I think that one of those two guys is going to find themselves a spot on this roster Dwayne Hendricks smoked Jared Jones-Smith for a sack from the left tackle position in practice during the team period. Now, the one guy that I think everybody's asking me about that I haven't given you a whole lot on is Christian Wilkins. And one of the reasons is he just hasn't really been that active. That's going to be the case. If you don't hear me talk about a player, he probably wasn't very much involved. There was one very nice play where he won inside with that signature quickness that he had at Clemson, but then he kind of quit on the rep as the running back got tagged off and took the ball to the outside and Wilkins stopped chasing it. And Patrick Graham lost his mind when Wilkins did that. And then Wilkins had to sprint after the ball carrier and get an extra run in after the fact as well. So the defensive line, I thought played good. You might ask Travis how the hell does the defensive line and offensive line play well 
Well, there was some breakdowns on both sides, particularly off the edge in the running game in the team portions as a couple of the Dolphins running backs hit some big runs as the edge was failed to set. And I think that Nate Orchard was a big part of that. Charles Harris was a part of that at times. But the most encouraging aspect of it was that it looked like to me that they got that stuff fixed. Now, we moved back to the linebackers and we talked about Raekwon McMillan. But the guy who has really stolen the show in training camp, a first team linebacker for the first three days of practice is Sam Egwavon, and I'm not sure if I'm getting that pronunciation right, but he has clearly shown that he earned these reps that Brian Flores has been giving him as Egwavon is showcasing the speed that got him onto the field, but also the instincts and the progression reads to know where his help is and to get himself in the proper spots to get his run fits and his run keys. And he started off practice with a huge lick where he destroyed the fullback, took him off and detached from that block and then took the ball carrier down and got up banging his own head with his hands and getting the entire team fired up. I thought that set the tone at practice and really made Egwavon the man to watch all day long who's been in the starting lineup on seven on seven in red zone and team drills everything they do he's getting playing time so a good looking linebacker there not the one we expected even though Raekwon is getting plenty of playing time and shows the exact same traits attacking downfield as a run defender he looks good in that regard I think Kiko Alonso looks pretty good in that regard as well he got some work in that action although there was a rep and multiple reps actually in pass coverage where they had linebackers attacking the defensive or the running backs rather in one-on-one coverage and Kiko Alonso comes flying downhill at Kalen Balazs, who just throws one little subtle move at Alonso and leaves him in the dust. I just don't think he's ever going to get that. Keep him as a base rundown linebacker, and let's just leave it at that. And for the last portion of the defensive front seven, one interesting tidbit that a lot of fans have speculated about on Twitter and the like is some of these safeties coming down and playing in these linebacker roles. And again, we've discussed this on multiple podcasts, how safeties are going to come down and get their run fits. But one good looking thing is that I do think that TJ McDonald could get multiple run at multiple positions, I should say, playing a dollar linebacker position, playing some safety coming down and covering the slot. A lot of these defensive backs are going to have so much versatility and interchangeability that I think that we're going to not recognize them for the positions they used to play, but rather redefine their specific roles on this football team. Okay, let's take our last break and then come back and talk about the receivers, the tight ends, and the running backs, as well as the defensive backs on the other side of the podcast. But first, a quick word. Thank you to Untuck It for sponsoring the Locked On Dolphins podcast. Untuck It shirts are specifically designed to look great untucked and feel comfortable at work or on the weekend. No tucking, no tailoring required. Go to untuckit.com, use promo code MBA to get 20% off your order. That's untuckit.com, promo code NBA. Armando Salguero of the Miami Herald got a great quote from Bobby McCain who says that he no longer considers himself a cornerback. He is a full-time free safety and he is back there making things happen. I think that his versatility and his ball skills and his quick trigger 
really suit him well for the position. And I was hoping to get a chance to talk to Bobby today. I did not. And I wanted to ask him about some of his time in college at Memphis because back there, he was very active in that regard as well, undercutting passes, coming up over the top and taking the football away. And that's what he did in practice today. He got a pick on a Josh Rosen pass where he undercut it on the sideline. Eric Rowe got himself an interception. Xavier Howard pulled one down. And Xavier Howard almost had his second interception of the day in what looked like a very similar play to the interception he had against the Colts. And I know he had two in that game, but I believe it was the first one where he came off of his own coverage and peeled into the middle of the field and picked the ball off. He did the exact same thing today, but couldn't squeeze the ball and wound up dropping it. But he did get the pick on Kenny Stills, which was a great battle to watch two of the best players on this team. And quite frankly, those cornerback and safety battles against the receivers are very, very fun to watch. I think the best competition of camp so far as the cornerbacks and safeties are doing the exact same thing we've been seeing the last couple of days, showing those press drills going all the way across the field on the far field away from the canopy and the grandstands and doing press and mirror drills on that far side of the field. And the one guy that really continues to impress me, and I feel like it's clockwork, I feel like it's kind of redundant, But it's Minka Fitzpatrick, who the one thing he didn't do today, like almost the rest of the starting secondary, was grab an interception. But everything else for this guy that I'm just going to go ahead and call defensive player because you pigeonhole him in one position and that's just not going to be accurate. We've talked a lot about the Patriots tape and how safeties come down and have to run fit, have to play the edge, have to cover tight ends. And it's not necessarily a safety position as much as it is big nickel, but he's doing so many different things and supporting the ground game and fighting through rub routes and getting to the flat and making tackles just like he did throughout the course of his rookie season. He was in there on those stops in the backfield down in goal line work. You've got a 220-pound guy coming down and making stops on goal line against an offensive lineman, against a fullback. This kid is so impressive. He has superstar written all over him. He might be the Dolphins' best player as soon as this year. Another guy that I was impressed by and have been impressed by is Tyler Patman. He was a late signing. I think he has a great chance to make this roster. And one of the unsung things you look for in these practices is who is getting work on the special teams units, especially the punt coverage units. And Walt Aikens is out there for every single one of these. So you know they're taking them seriously because Walt Aikens is here specifically to play special teams. And the Dolphins consistently ran out the same guys alongside Aikens on that special teams unit. Bobby McCain was one of them. And then Cornell Armstrong, Nick Needham, Maurice Smith, and Montrey Hardage all saw plenty of work on those punt team units working down from the secondary. And another guy that was doing some gunner work on punt team was Preston Williams. We'll talk about him here in just one second, but let's go ahead and flip it over to the wide receiver position. As Kenny Stills, he's just so professional and so consummate in the way he goes about things. He wins consistently regardless of his split, regardless of his alignment, or regardless of the route that he runs. But the one guy that showed up again today, actually two guys really showed up. I'll start here with Devontae Parker, who just looks stronger and more competitive at the catch point. You guys will recall, I'm such a harsh critic of Parker and the way he attacks the football over the first four years of his career, but I thought that throughout the camp and definitely today in the padded practice, he really elevated his game to another level and then he got some extra work after practice and he came off the field pretty much barely able to walk from exhaustion. So I think that he finally, I think, 
I don't want to proclaim it, but I think that he finally figured out how to be a pro and how to work. And if that can help him overcome the soft tissue issue, soft tissue issues, say that 10 times fast, then I think that he can be a contributor on this football team. Now, the one guy that I think has been the star of camp so far is also a receiver and he's kind of built like Albert Wilson as far as their height and Albert Wilson only was a limited participant in practice but Jakeem Grant every single day has these releases off the line of scrimmage that has the fans in the stands saying ooh and ah and today he got Jalen Davis really bad and got right up the field on a vertical seam from the slot and he dropped the touchdown so that was a bit of a a downer but then he came back on a double move against Nick Needham the undrafted UTEP kid Grant put him in the spin cycle with that double move, and I really feel bad for anybody that has to cover Grant in these one-on-one drills. Now, I talked about Preston Williams. I thought he had a really nice day today, and he even beat Xavier Howard in one-on-one drills. I'm sure that was a matchup they wanted to get involved And he's been heavily involved in pretty much every period of every practice, including that gunner work on special teams. It looks like they want to give him a shot to make this football team. And another undrafted free agent that doesn't get nearly as much buzz or pop is Trenton Irwin, who just consistently shows up and makes plays. So I liked watching his game a lot. And as far as the tight ends go, I don't have a lot for you guys on that. They worked more as inline blockers today, which makes a lot of sense considering the the structure and the the mantra of the practice with the padded practice and learning how to block and how to defeat blocks. But the one thing that I can speculate on, and I can't quite confirm it, is that Mike Kosicki wasn't really involved as a pass receiver. And so that makes me wonder, I didn't see it, so I want to be very clear on that, but it makes me wonder if maybe he still is struggling to get off contact and rerouting and the same issues he had last year, but at least he's not in line every damn play like he was with Adam Gase. Okay, one more quick transition into the running backs, and then we'll finish it up with some news and notes to wrap up on the podcast here. Now, Kalen Balaj continues to get first-team reps, and you can kind of see why today in the padded practices, because he is built like a workhorse, every-down type of running back, although I do not believe that's what he's going to be. I'll talk about that here in a minute. As far as Balaj's abilities... He really showed some patience and some vision in practice today, scored a couple of long touchdowns, sprung some long runs. He looked fast. He looked explosive. But the patience and the vision are two things that really were knocks on Balazs coming out of Arizona State. And the reason he was a fourth round draft pick, because if you recall, going back to the Senior Bowl two seasons ago, he was kind of the buzz of the Senior Bowl because of those physical traits. But if you can't see the hole and you can't anticipate things opening up, then you can't play running back in this league, but there was a couple of instances where he was patient enough to allow a hole to develop. The nicest one was right down in front of us where he comes off the left side of the formation. He allows Laramie Tunzel to get out in space and gain leverage as well as Dan Kilgore and Tunzel seals off the edge. Balaj kind of down, or I should say up shifts and slows down to another gear and then turns on the burners and accelerates through the hole after it develops for a very nice touchdown run. So he looks very good. I thought Patrick Laird, the undrafted rookie out of California, looked fantastic. He has some nice skill sets in the passing game and that same patience. And the last guy to talk about today, Chandler Cox. This dude is all gas and no brakes. He either gets in there and clears out the hole entirely or he whiffs or hits someone and gets knocked to the ground. One of the knocks on Chandler Cox is that he spent way too much time on the ground at Auburn and we saw some of that today. He got an earful from Eric Studsville, the running backs coach, after he got knocked over on a play today. So up and down camp for Chandler Cox so far. 
And while we're on the topic of up and down camps, the three players that I think have been surprising to everybody in regards to their workloads have been Raekwon McMillan, Rashad Jones, and Kenyon Drake. And I was curious about the usage of these players and some maybe some context clues from the Patriots past. And so I sent a DM to a Patriots beat writer who told me that Bill Belichick basically gives guys the reps that earn it. So there's no there's no finagling. There's no tricks being played here. Like some beat writers, I think Armando Salguero said that might be the case. I don't think that's the case. I think you can justify the fact that Raekwon McMillan, Brian Flores told us straight up that he got nicked back in spring and he's still kind of working back from a tender injury that way. Rashad Jones skipped OTAs. We have to go back and think about that. That would make sense to me to give more playing time to a guy like Bobby McCain or like TJ McDonald, who's now back and healthy. And then Kenyon Drake. We've heard about some of the immaturity issues. I've heard it from a beat writer. We saw it from another Dolphins podcaster on the internet last night. I just wonder how much smoke is there or how much fire is there since there is smoke there. We'll see if he gets it figured out because he's one of the most talented players at the position really in the league. He just has to figure it out from a mental aspect if he wants to be a workhorse. But then again, maybe he's just built to be one of two guys and him and Kalen Balaj could share the workload evenly across the board. Okay, and before we get out of here, I have to tell you guys the players of the day. And on defense, there should be no surprise. Sam Egwavon, and I hope I'm getting that right. It's a Nigerian name. I looked it up on the pronunciation on Google. Not much information there, but Sam Egwavon, he was the player of the day on defense. Really physical, really instinctive, really fast. And on offense, I'm going to go with left guard Chris Reed, who was doing the exact same stuff, pulling out in space, knocking heads, clearing out running lanes off the edge in the ground game. So Egwavon, Chris Reed, the players of the day. I'm still going to go with Jakeem Grant as the overall star of camp so far in general, and I'll probably say Egwavon is the star on the defensive side in general. And with that, let's go ahead and get out of here, but not before I tell you guys real quickly that today's show is brought to you in part by Grip6 and their ultra lightweight belts with no holes and no flap. A great gift for anybody in your life, man or woman. Go to Grip6.com slash lock right now. That's L-O-C-K-E. Grip6.com slash lock for a special offer for your Grip6 belt. Okay, and that will conclude what is about a nine-hour day for me at practice, getting these notes written down, writing the journal up on LockedOnDolphins.com. I will usually have more detail on these podcasts than I can put on the website, but check out the daily journals. Those go up first, then I record the podcast, and I think as for now, I've earned myself a little sushi date with myself. I did get some chicken parm today at lunchtime at the Dolphins facility who just continues to take care of the media as well as any team in the NFL. I mean, I don't know what the other teams do, but I assume that it's not as good as what the Dolphins do. But let's go ahead and put a button on this show. I will be back tomorrow for a Sunday edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and I recognize that a lot of you probably won't listen to this on Saturday night as I publish it, but when you wake up Monday morning, you'll have a Saturday podcast and a Sunday podcast to catch up on, and a reminder that Monday is going to be an off day for me as the Dolphins also are off. But in the meantime, you all please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins. Keep up to date on the Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com for all your training camp updates. You guys have a great rest of your Saturday or Sunday or Monday whenever you hear the show and come back tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.